This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 2001's Valentine, directed by Jamie Blinks, but first our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Um, I think, yeah, Velvet Buzzsaw definitely had not come out last time, and I'm sure if you guys are horror fans, you, it was, like, the buzz, um, like, no pun intended, really, but, I mean, it's all anyone was, like, tweeting about, I feel like, for the week that it came out, um, so I definitely caught it on, on Netflix, it's the new, um, it's, like, a very surreal kind of um tales from the crypt episode turned into a movie by uh dan gilroy um so he did nightcrawler with jake gyllenhaal um and jake gyllenhaal and renee russo actually both returned from nightcrawler to do this along with like john malkovich and tony collette and um billy magnuson from uh hell or uh blood what the fuck is that movie called the one i just watched blood night randomly was in it but I really, really loved it. It's super, like, it's biting satire. It's, like, very dark comedy. It's, I feel like Dan Gilroy really was, like, he went in with a statement of, it feels like people talk about movies and they're like, oh, it's style over substance. Or, like, oh, it's flashy. And I think this movie was meant to be that, like, style over substance, because all of the characters who are supposed to be, like, so profound and deep are completely, like, vapid non-people, and you, it's one of those movies where you, like, end up rooting for people to die because they're so obnoxious, um, and it weirdly turns into, like, Andy Warhol's Final Destination, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. which was super enjoyable. I really liked it, and Jake Gyllenhaal is just, I think, slowly becoming one of the, like, best actors of our generation and tony collette wow. is a treasure words. i know but like and i never thought i'd say it either because like definitely i will say that about tony collette like ninth grade me was would say that because i loved donnie darko and i would be like right. yeah jake gyllenhaal donnie darko and then for a while he was doing shit like prince of persia and i was like okay jake gyllenhaal whatever uh and now with movies like nightcrawler or um i mean with velvet buzzsaw with brokeback obviously um there's that one he was in oh man i can't remember what it's called night love and other drugs oh I, I like that movie but um night animals or something with 
either Amy Adams or Isla Fisher, one of the redheads. I can't ever remember. Uh, but that was oh, a really good movie. Oh, the Tom Ford movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought he was very good in that movie. Um, and then Enemy and Prisoner. He's really great in both those. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy Jake Gyllenhaal. Rene Russo's always great. Um, John Malkovich is quirky as ever. And Toni Collette, like I said, is a treasure. She's fucking amazing in everything she's in. And I Toni Collette does no wrong. still hate that. Like, I can't believe she wasn't nominated for the Oscars for her performance in Hereditary. But if you haven't caught it yet, I mean, it's on Netflix. Go check it out. It, I think it's well worth it if you're a horror fan or if you're just looking for... It's like... It's one of those movies that I think you go into it and you think that, like, you might think, like, oh, this is, like, trying to be deep and abstract. And it's like, nope, this is just, like, it reminded me of a Final Destination movie. So, I mean, so much so that I ended up watching Final Destination 3 this week as well. Um, I also watched Personal Shopper because that finally dropped on Netflix. That's by Olivier Assayas, who, this is his only horror movie, and he didn't even like to really qualify it as a horror movie. He wanted to make things, like, really ambiguous and um kind of like dance around the genre and make it so it wasn't like it didn't fit so neatly within like the confines of horror exactly but um, no he just didn't want the stigma of it being a horror movie pretty much yeah but uh this is one of those movies that it's funny i mean b and i I definitely talked about it robert pattinson and kristen stewart have been stuck with this twilight Still, a decade later, people I know, online... What? Oh, because Robert Pattinson's getting... rumored for Batman. Yeah, and people and, are fucking <sighs> uproar about it on Twitter. And I'm just like, one, what's wrong with Twilight? And two, he's done like 1,000 movies since then. And most of them have been like critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. indie darlings. Like, he's well-received in every single performance. It's usually like a standout role in the film. Yep. And then they're like, what? No, oh, the Twilight, Twilight kid? Yeah, and it's just so ridiculous because him and Kristen Stewart both, I think, have time and time again proven, like, like the performances they give in Twilight were what was needed of that movie. Yeah. And the performances that they can give as actors is beyond that. I think there's a movie called Good Times that, if you haven't seen, that one's on Amazon Prime, I think, but Robert Pattinson in that, I liked him from Harry Potter to Twilight to Waterfell Elephants, whatever. I, mm-hmm. I like Robert Pattinson in general. But that movie was yeah, the I'm, one where I was like, holy fuck. I enjoy him more than Kristen Stewart. I like Kristen Stewart, but I tend to um, agree with a lot of people and find it hard not to see her when she... Like, still Alice, um, I thought yeah. was, God, one of the best movies. It well-deserved um, Julia Moore for finally getting... Um, I don't know if she got the... I think she got the Oscar for that movie. She definitely got the Golden Globe for it. Um, anywho, and Kristen Stewart plays her daughter in it. And there's... It's still, in a lot of her roles, there's just a, a herness about it that doesn't ever go away. She definitely does the the things that she was accused of doing in Twilight, which is bite your lip and move your hair. Like, I, I mean, but that's part has, of her acting persona. It is, and I don't... I mean... Zac Efron has it. Like you, every single movie he does certain moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he's in different kinds of roles. Right. So I mean, I like Kristen Stewart, but I still do find that she has a hard time letting go of some of her things that Absolutely. she does. Yeah. And this, I'm I'm the same as you. Like I like Robert Pattinson overall as an actor more. I do appreciate them both, but this for me was the like really blew me away. Her performance. Um, it's about. 
I mean, this isn't spoilers. It's about she's a personal shopper in Paris for like this famous like kind of activist slash model, and her twin, right? her twin brother yeah. has died, and they were both mediums, and so she's staying in Paris because her and her twin brother made a pact that whichever one died first would give them a sign from the other other side, and she keep things keep happening that she like won't de like. That are weird, but she's not, like, willing to deem it a, a sign. Um, and things get, like, weirder and weirder and more personal. And uh, eventually there's, like, kind of, you know, like, a, you know, a culmination of things. But it, it's a definitely a slow movie. It's a very slow movie. and it, But it's not – it's interesting because, like, the whole, like, her medium and her brother trying – like, waiting for, uh, like, a sign kind of takes a backseat to just, like, her life in Paris and, like, dealing with, like – her boyfriend doesn't live there and her brother has passed away and she's like still friends with her brother's fiance and then also working for this person this like rich person and like getting involved in her life and it's it's just very like subdued and quiet but like really interesting still and i didn't think i was going to care for it but i watched i mean i watched the whole thing through and like i'm I try to be as present as I can in movies. Uh, one of the reasons I like to go to theaters is because I'm forced to put my phone away. Um, but I multitask a lot. It's unfortunately I also just have a lot of things to do with having like, you know, the site and like two podcasts and all sorts of crazy things I'm working on all the time. So I tend to like pull my phone out a lot during movies. And the way I know a movie is really captivating is if I'm not on my phone. And this was one of those. Um, and the last one I'll touch on is Reservoir Dogs. I've mentioned a couple times that there were some like big quote unquote big movies that I've been wanting to like check off my list this year, like the ones that I was kind of embarrassed to bring up that I'd never seen. And Reservoir Dogs was one of them, even though I'd, I've seen literally every every other Tarantino movie, um, and I do like Quentin Tarantino. And I think this is one of those things of like I waited too long, like the hype was too big. I think almost you know like all the like just all the the like the praise and like also maybe some of the it's kind of like how i hear i have and i haven't seen citizen kane either but i hear like now it's hard to go back and appreciate citizen kane like they did when it came out because what it does with like film is has been done millions of times now so it's hard to like you really have to like put yourself in the shoes of like, like this, this is, is the is first new. time yeah. yeah and so like from trying to do that with reservoir dogs and like realizing like how tarantino is breaking the story up and telling things in like such a different way like i was really trying to do that it's just hard because that has become such i mean tarantino has been ripped off for like mm -hmm. so much it's ridiculous um but still really powerful performances from like tim ross steve buscemi was great in it um uh harvey keitel and those are all like kind of actors that were like not buscemi but like cartel uh, harvey keitel um was in and um what's his name the guy who plays john vega i can't remember his name either but um they're kind of like they were like a generation removed they're like famous actors but like kind of a little before i started like watching a lot of movies um so it was cool to see them at least because i i thought like harvey keitel was the best like player in that movie um michael madsen that's his name so i'm not saying i didn't like reservoir dogs i, I thought it was a very well-made movie and like to look and go holy shit this was someone's first movie is incredible um but i think like again i just waited too long and like i've had too many friends that are into film talk about reservoir dogs 
So it just didn't have the same impact I think it would have had on me 10 years ago if I watched it. I definitely think it's probably one of my favorite from Tarantino. It's like you can see the framework for everything. Like Mm -hmm. literally everything. The... I mean, well, even, and I just love the performances in it, and and then yeah, I mean the way he lays out the story, I think, is particularly effective with this kind of like haphazard group of people and like the mystery. Yeah, um, I think lends itself to that chopped up storytelling a little bit more than some of his other movies. Yeah, I think the only actually like I think Pulp Fiction is a great movie, but there's not like the there's no quote-unquote like mystery that movie is more about like intersecting stories and mm-hmm. seeing how they intersect um hateful eight i think was another like it reminded yeah, I haven't me seen hateful eight. so it reminds me a lot of this where there is like an actual like yeah. mystery kind of and it's you're trying to get to it you're pulling at these mm-hmm. strings um but i do yeah harvey Keitel and then tim, tim roth who is not mm-hmm. tim roth is someone i always forget is so good at acting and then i like am reminded when i actually get to watch him in something but he was he was great in that movie. Uh, really enjoyed him. And then, like I said, you just see all of the Tarantino stuff laid out in front. Like, you know, the use of music and um, mm-hmm. the constant use of the N-word, <laughs> mm-hmm. which still shocks me to this day. I'm like, wow, they're really throwing that word around. Uh, and then, you know, the pop culture discussions, like when they're driving in the car and they're trying to figure out um, which actress played so-and-so on some cop show in the 70s. So... It's like you can see everything Tarantino builds on from there, which is is interesting to go back and and watch when you've never seen it before. But, again, I think I was just like 10 years too late. I mean, I think that happens with a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. And you just sort of watch it, and then you're like, okay, so I get all the references now. It all makes sense to me. Yeah. And then that's pretty much it. Yeah. You don't really have a connection to it. And it's weird because, yeah, it's weird though because I guess I was expecting like a diehard Godfather effect where... Those are also both hugely referenced movies. Uh-huh. And both of those, when I watched, I was like, oh, I get all the references now. And holy shit, that like floored me with how, like, how good it actually is. And yeah. like, Pulp Fiction was like, I was like, that was a really good movie, great performances. And as a debut, it's like, again, amazing what Tarantino could do. But it didn't like quite floor me. Reservoir like, Dogs. Or yeah, 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 Reservoir Dogs. But it didn't quite like hit me like Die Hard and Godfather did. Yeah, I think I watched them early enough. So when I went to, um, the summer after my freshman year in high school, I went to the California Summer School for the Arts, and I studied in their film department. It's when I wanted to be a director. Um, And so I was there for six weeks, and, like, the running joke was that I was, you know, so I was 14. Um, So I was really young. And I was just, I was super into film, but I was just getting into, like, the more critically acclaimed stuff and dramas I'd always been I'd always loved film I'd always watched a ton of movies and consumed a ton of stuff but the running joke um at like in film school was that I was going to direct high school musical 12 um and I was like well I'm okay with that that'd be fine by me like that sounds awesome um and I definitely why I was there I mean I got exposed to a ton of stuff but I definitely came home for the rest of my summer and just consumed a ton of stuff that and a lot of the people in the program was one of the younger ones there was only like two or three other people who were our age like in the 14 15 year old range most of them were like going into their senior year in high school and and so I got exposed to a lot of things and Tarantino was definitely one of them my mom was a fan but she never she wasn't comfortable with me watching his films yet and so when I came home I was like mom I need to watch these movies and like 
Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and stuff were on there. And she's like, okay, like, I guess, I guess it's fine. Like, you're, you're old enough. And yeah, I just remember being like, oh my God, okay, this is something totally different. And, you know, something I haven't been exposed to. But then, just like you said, I mean, I don't, I can't remember. I've definitely, like, heard rustling, like, that Tarantino's style. He actually ripped somebody off. And that those, like, he got famous for a style that's really not even his. I don't, I haven't ever looked into that. Maybe that's true. Um, But it's definitely funny to see, like, once you see those, you recognize it. I had definitely seen that style in more recent movies um and i just didn't know it yeah even if tarantino invent invented he made it famous right and i know he gets a lot of slack for like kind of aping like styles i mean like kill bill is like a samurai movie you know mm-hmm. and like um like the westerns and the, like the black exploitation and like yeah he gets for he, being a white man who's then profiting off of these styles that yeah. are not have anything yeah. to do with his jackie brown demographic like those, or exactly. his minority yeah but i i mean i definitely i'll have to look into it more but yeah. his style of filmmaking is definitely like it's very it's very unique and like you can tell once you like watch enough of it you can definitely tell like a tarantino movie from a, a knockoff right um, I talked about it last week, but I finished Tell Me a Story, which is the Kevin Williamson, um, sort of soap that CBS All Access has. Um, I believe it's 10 episodes, um, and it started off as one thing, and then it definitely shifted, like, five episodes in, like, the second half to something I was not expecting at all. Um, I went in kind of blind, like, I didn't really know that much about the show. I try and do that for the most part. Um, I've talked about that before, but I'm—I mean, Kevin Williamson sells me on it. I don't need to know anything else. Um, I'm probably gonna like it if he's involved, and so for me, it's just a bonus if I go in blind and don't know anything. The only reason I'm gonna like read a bunch and watch a bunch of trailers is if I'm like, I don't know if I want to waste my time with this. Um, and so it definitely shifts about halfway through and turns into way something way more kevin williamson e um the first half you're like oh okay like you don't super see his influence that much and then it takes this shift and you're like oh okay there he is i see it um and it ends really nicely and i i mean i don't think it's a spoiler in saying that um it's only that season it's not really possible with the plots and how they all end up together um I don't really think a second season would be possible. It's been renewed for a second season. It's not really any information about it online. All I hear is that, oh, yes, yeah, so it will be different fairy tales. So this one was Hansel and Gretel. Three Little Pigs. Three Little Pigs and Little Red Riding Hood. Super loose, but sort of those ideas. Um, and I know the telenovela it's based on has multiple seasons, and it does the same thing where it kind of just like an picks anthology. three different yeah. Yeah, fairy tales. Um, so I assume that's what they're going to do again. Hopefully the cast returns because a great cast, all TV veterans like I went into last week. So overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, you know, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and so because I subscribed to CBS All Access, I started Star Trek Discovery. Um, which I'm having a much harder time getting into. Um, I watched the first episode. Is there only one season, right? There's two now. And then the third is The Search for Spock. Or No, it's like The Something of Spock. They're introducing Spock. Oh, I don't know. The second season just came out. 
Oh, like really? literally just came oh, out. Yeah. Then maybe that is about Spock. Like eventually, because I saw during the Super Bowl after the Twilight Zone ad, they did like a, t- a Star Trek one too. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So it's it's starting slow, and when I looked it up, I read a lot of people were like, "Give it, give it time." Especially yeah. if you can like, it, the first season gets better, but really everybody's like praising the second season so far. I don't. They're doing it week by week. Um. I don't know if the second season's fully out, but I think most of the episodes are out. Um, so it's starting to find its footing. I just got introduced. I'm in the third episode and I just got introduced to sort of who ends up being one of the main characters, but he's absent from the first and second. And it's, um, God, the guy who plays Lucius Malfoy. Um, Oh, uh, Jason Isaacs. Yes. It's Jason Isaacs. And just instantly you're like, okay, like it just needed a little star power. I, I love him. I enjoy the fact that these are all actors I'm not familiar with. A ton of people of color. Love that. lot Like, tons of minorities and, like, different... You're just looking at a lot of different people. Um, but with that comes the downside is, like, there's nobody, like, really to grab you. And he's instantly... You see him on screen you're like, okay, all right. Like, this is going to pull me in. And super charismatic. And you're like, all right. So I just got to that part. So I'm hoping it's, like, this is... It just took really, I think, three episodes to introduce you to the Discovery, right. which is the name of the ship. Is this um, pre? This I is do not know where it is in the. Timeline. It's definitely a prequel because they're introducing Spock. Yeah, yeah. so this is pre-original series, even. Yes. Hmm. Uh. Okay, that yeah. makes sense with some of the storylines yeah. that they're talking about. Um. So yeah. We'll see. I it's funny though because like as I was sort of dragging myself through the second episode, it just made me want to go watch the original series, um, which I will forever defend. As I mean, I haven't gone through all of Star Trek. I mean, I'm slowly working my way through that, but I think I love the original because it feels kind of like the Twilight Zone. I love older style television shows, and it really is meant to be like a a monster of the week. It's hard to replicate that. And that's um, such a great thing. And it really is, you know, Star Trek's supposed to be about discovery and Star Wars is supposed to be about like space wars. Um, That's why I love the original series so much because it really is every episode you're sort of meeting, going to these different planets and meeting all these weird characters and all this kind of weird shit happens. And there's, they get into overlapping stuff as you get into it. But I like I mean, I call it Monster of the Week because of Supernatural, but I like that type of episode. Yeah, and formula. Buffy, Buffy and... was Monster of the Week. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, I love Monster or Villain of the yeah. Week stuff. Like, a, uh, it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, so. and then when you get a little tie-in, so we'll. This is definitely not going to be Star Trek Discovery. Is not going to be that whatsoever. No, yeah. It's instantly like here's a very complicated plot, and we're going. You're going to slowly learn about it, and they're at war. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Is it the Romulan War? They are fighting. Yeah. Romulans. Okay. No, they're fighting. Um, Klingon. Klingons. Okay. Yes. Got it. So. Yes, uh, I watched the Predator series, except All of them? for except the newest one. The al- no, I watched the newest ones. Oh. I didn't watch the Alien vs Predators. Um, yeah. So I watched Predator. Um, which I loved. That yep. was excellent. Yep. Um, I love Jesse Ventura in it. Uh, I'm a goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. Dude, that movie was super great in a lot of ways. Also, one of, so far, I've, I've seen a lot of Arnold Schwarzeneggers in my action 
um, exposure year that I've been going through. Um, this is one of the only movies where I found him attractive. Oh, interesting. And I was like, all right, I'm like kind of getting it. You know why? I know why. Because I know you. You like dirty dudes. <laughs> no, Ryan. No, I don't mean like you like it when a guy's like kind of dirty. Like you like are more attractive like when Aragorn is all muddy. Oh, like, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and Arnold is like out in the jungle. Yeah. Like, sweating, he's dirty. That's why. Because in all the other movies, like he kind of gets it, but it's more like, you know, like it's more like wear and tear. It's like you know, yeah. more industrial dirty. Yeah, but no. he's like in the jungle dirty. Like through the mud. Yeah, camouflage. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, but it was working for me. And I was like, okay, Arnold, like, yeah. I'll give it to you. You're predator hot. Yeah, I love um, predator. Yeah, and it was such, it was just super enjoyable. I mean, for sure, I'm slasher, but with a monster. Yeah, it's my um, favorite action horror movie. Yeah. Like, easily. Um, And I, I put it up. I, I mean, I don't think Alien is an action horror. I think Aliens is, and I like it more than Aliens. Yes, and Aliens is coming this year. Alien, Aliens. Haven't seen those. That's coming. Um, but I really enjoyed Predator a lot, and so yeah. I wanted to get into that. I got 20 minutes into Predator 2 and said, peace out. This is not for me. It's, it's so different. It's it, so different. I'm not necessarily like... Ben's like, oh, but it's got um, Danny, Glover. Danny Glover. And I'm like, I don't have any connection I, to Danny Glover. I don't either. And I like the Lethal Weapon movies, but I'm still like, oh, he's not He's not going to make me watch a movie. No. And it just instant. That movie literally just starts you right in the action. And he's literally driving a car sideways and things are exploding. Well, it's like in the future. And it's in the future. Which, and the Predators are in the city. Yeah. And I'm like, no, uh-uh. Yeah, you took no. everything that made Predator good for me and took it away. Yeah. And so I just, it might be good. I just decided it wasn't worth me wasting 90 minutes of my time. I'm actually I knew with I wasn't you and like I it. do not care for Predator yeah. 2. And I've had people try to sell me on it a bunch. And every time I'm like, I just don't No, care I just don't think it's for me. Yeah. Um, it's just instantly I knew like the pieces that they were putting into the play weren't things that make a movie I find interesting. Yeah. Um, and so then I watched... Predators. Predators, which um, I was the only one I had previously seen, and I still really liked it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was super great. I loved that they were actually on the Predators planet. Yeah. That was cool. Great ensemble cast. Robert um, Rodriguez directed. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Great effects. And when you watch them all in a row, it's kind of cool to see how they change like the invisibility aspects of yeah. the Predator. Um, they revealed Predator a little bit too early mm. in that one. It's like you see him right away and you're like, oh, all right. I mean, I guess that's fine. You know what he looks like, but, or what they look like. Um, but I liked the expansion of the mythology. Mm-hmm. So I think though that's after the alien ones, I believe. Predators was, yeah, yeah. after AVP. And so yeah. anything storyline that affected that, I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I don't know if I will know. Maybe I think we'll AVP see. Is like considered almost like outside of canon. Yeah. yeah. So when I watch the Alien movies, I'll probably try AVP and see. There's two of them, right? There's two. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't hear great things. And when I asked people in the Twitterverse, they said you could skip those. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I watched The Predator, which yep. is the new Shane Black one, uh-huh. and I thought it was awesome. I. I adored it. It's what I... It's a super cheesy action It's super cheesy. Which is what Predator is. I, like, so many people online when it came out were like... And it is, it is true. There are like some plot holes in that movie. <laughs> For sure. Like, well, like I characters hear like, straight up disappear from I that movie. I hear it was like butchered. Oh, to yeah. The, the editors like murdered that movie. Yeah. Like so much of it was left on the cutting room floor. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But that being said, 
I thought Thomas Jane was a lot of fun in that movie. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like, I thought um, the, the main star was fine. Uh, what's his name? I can't. Garrett Hedlund, is that who did it? I can't remember. I don't think that's Garrett Hedlund. Um, Maybe. Uh, Olivia Munn was great in that yeah. movie. Uh, no, I thought it was super fun. It was just, like, over the top. No, it's what I've discovered. Those are the action movies I like. Yeah. I like them to be over the top, silly, Yeah, like funny. when he holds the hand through with yeah. the thumbs up. Yeah, that's yeah. That no, is that what was I want so, in, oh my, my God. in my action Yeah, I watched movies. it with my yeah. husband, and he looked, he's like, well, that was something. I'm like, yes, it was. It was awesome. Yeah. It's, it's one I'm of the reasons bummed. I love, like, Eraser, because all the dumb, yes. cheesy Yes, oh my God, I love that movie so much. Yeah, your luggage. Yeah, like, that was definitely. All those, all yeah. those movies. So good. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a ton of fun. Sure, there's like some, you're watching it and you're like, okay, well, that doesn't really make sense. It's okay. It doesn't really need to. It's a fucking predator movie. Yeah. Um, I'm bummed, you know, of course, there's like an ending and then you're like, okay, cool. Like setting it up, it did terrible. Yeah. I highly, highly doubt we're going to get another one anytime soon. Probably not related to that movie. So I'm bummed about that, but... I had a lot of fun. So if you're on the fence and you like cheesy action, I definitely give it a thumbs up. Um, So that was fun to like go through those. I like going through series and that was like a pretty enjoyable one. Um, And then I watch a couple slashers that I'll talk about really quickly because we will eventually cover them. But I think I've mentioned it before, but there's this like, I mean, maybe you guys know about it, but I like to think it's a real hidden gem that... I'm one of the only people who have seen is Killer Movie. It came out in 2008 by Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. Who's done nothing. Okay. But he also wrote it. It has an amazing, like, CW ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. Um, It has got Paul Wesley, Wesley, Tori DeVito, Leighton Meester. Is that guy's name something London? Jeremy London or something? Yeah, Jeremy London from... um, He was in Seventh Heaven for sure. He's also in the movie Out Cold. Yes, Out Cold. Yeah. And... Uh, another one of those stoner movies. Yeah. Stays and Confused. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so super fun to see all those people in a movie together. Oh, and Kaylee Cuoco is like the main girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, from Eight Simple Rules, right? Yeah. And then, what's that show? Big Bang Theory. Big Bang, that real popular yeah, show. Incredibly successful series. It's very, very 2008. It's very low budget. It's, um, the dialogue's atrocious, absolutely horrible, but because I love everybody in it, I just smile on my face the whole time. Um, (laughs) somehow I swear my husband picks the worst ones to sit down with me and watch. He ended up like sitting down and kind of getting into that and he's like, God, this movie's dumb. I'm like, it is, it really is, but it's dumb in a fun way. I find it really enjoyable. It's not offensive. Um, it's just low budget. Um, it's, I think it's just a little 08 gym for sure. Um, and then I watched 2018's Hellfest, right? Hellfest. Yeah. Hellfest. yeah. It's, gets very confusing. What was the other one? Bloodfest. Blood yeah. Which is good also. Yes. Haven't seen that one. I think I thought I was watching that one cause I was like, when's Zachary Levi come in? Cause oh, I know, I remember yeah, you mentioning he, yeah, that. Yeah, he is in there. And then yeah. I was like, wait, I think I'm watching the other one. Um, it I thought it was awesome. Yep. Um, it was, you know, true blue slasher, um, amazing set piece. Um, it takes place in a haunt, like a Six Flags like type. A pop-up haunt. Yeah, yeah. haunt. Um, that you'll want to live in. Right. Like, it's, as a horror fan, you just, you're like, you look at it like, fuck, I want to be there. Yeah. Because it looks awesome. Looks intense. Um, and super cool concept. I don't want to talk about it at all because it's... 
you say one thing and you spoil it. And we're also um, 100% And we're definitely going to cover yeah. it. Um, but it was given some very, like, OG slasher vibes and a very modern take on that. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yep. Um, so that was super fun if you guys haven't checked it out. And it's got that guy we really like who did the score, Bear. Yeah, Bear McCreary. Yeah, Bear McCreary. Yeah, did yeah, the score. He's super um, good. He's, he's one super... of my like new favorites. Uh-huh. He's excellent. Um, yeah. We talked about him when he, about the Happy Death Day score. Yes, yeah, that's um, the one he did. And then, I mean, his name is just everywhere now. For so. real. He's all over video games, too. But that's it. We did, yeah, did a lot. Still yeah. chipping through Harry Potter. I'm like yep, halfway I'm through on five. Book six. I'm. I'm gonna catch up. Yeah. Well, I talk. I talk shit about you powering through it, and you can't help it. I. But like Christmas is like the one. Like once Christmas is over, I slow down because I'm like I almost feel like I'm out of Harry Potter season. So I like I'm like oh, I'll just take my time. Uh, plus this whole like trying to watch all these new movies. But I'm actually I'm at like fifty movies, so I'm pretty good right now. I just need to get through the sixth book. It's always hard once my favorites go away. Uh, It's always hard once it gets fucking depressing. It's like when I get to season six of Buffy and I'm like, here comes the trudge. Um, So yeah, we watched Valentine, which is from 2001. Um, The synopsis, uh, buckle, buckle in. It's a long one. Valentine's Day, 1988. Oh, the year I was born. At a school dance, geeky Jeremy Melton bravely faces one rejection after the other when asking four popular girls to dance with him. A fifth girl, plump and insecure, agrees, but they end up making out under the bleachers. When a group of school bullies catches them, the girl claims that Jeremy attacked her. This causes them to strip off his clothes and beat him up in front of the entire school. Flash forward to 2001. We meet the five girls who are in that school gym. Kate, Paige, Shelley, Lily, and the formerly plump Dorothy. They are all in their 20s now and trying to sort out their love lives, which is appropriate since Valentine's Day is coming up. After a disastrous date with a loser, one of the girls, a pre-med student, is murdered by a cherub mask-wearing killer who sent her a death threat in the form of a Valentine card prior to the attack. After the four remaining girls are reunited at her funeral, they start receiving threatening cards and messages. At first, they don't know who would want to hurt them, but eventually they figure out that maybe Jeremy is responsible. Police records show that Jeremy has completely disappeared, so no one knows what he looks like. Could the formerly nerdish Jeremy have had plastic surgery and turned into one of the girl's handsome boyfriends? Whoever it is, the lone survivor has to put has to put a stop to the spurned individual's murder spree before she too becomes a Valentine to die for. Yeah, and you guys can let us know. I thought we usually just do a quick like whatever tagline on these, but. I do, I got to thinking that sometimes I listen to podcasts that I've seen the movie, but it's been a while. And so sometimes it's nice to have a refresher and be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how the whole plot. Because normally we don't get into it until we talk about the kills. Yeah, no, for sure. So if it's been a while since you've seen the movie, there's your long synopsis to kind of jog your memory. If you watched it (laughs) with us, I'm sorry, because you just witnessed all of that. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's But, you know. It's 40 seconds. Jog your memory. Yeah. Um, February 2nd, 2001 is when it was released. Love it. Love when holiday-themed movies are released around their holiday theme. Yes. So perfect timing for this one. And then here's some controversy on the interweb. So Wikipedia um, says the budget for this movie was $29 million, which even when Ryan and I looked it up, we were like, ooh, that's pretty steep for this time, Mm -hmm. Um, especially considering that Urban Legends budget was $14 million. Um, which I think, I mean, 
it's hard because all those stars are bigger now than these stars, so I'm not sure, but I feel like even then that was a higher caliber cast. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely, well, Jared Leto from My So-Called Life was definitely like a heartthrob, and so was Joshua Jackson, Mm -hmm. and I think Rebecca Gayhart even was by then. Yeah. And then you throw in like the the Robert England appearance and the, the, like, couple little, like, appearances in there, and like, it stacks up. So I found that was weird. When you go to IMDb, they say that many publications incorrectly state the budget. It was not in the mid-20 millions. It was around 10 million. And, I mean, it was shot in Canada, which fucking Canadian movies, it does not make $29 million. There's no way. Yeah. So that seems way more realistic. Yeah. Um, and the box office, you know, six actually makes it a success if the budget was more like $10 million. Um, did 36.7 million, which is low. Urban Legend did like 72. Yeah, it was. Um, this is like really, to me, it's like the last high profile, like kind of like big theater, you know, mm-hmm. major theater release um, post Scream Slasher. Well, yeah, Scream the, 3 was 2000. Yeah, so this is like the trend. The very tail end. end. And and it's funny because it gets lumped in with the post-Screams, but it doesn't... There are certain things that play like Scream, but overall this movie actually reminds me a lot of like an 80s slasher movie. Oh, it, it seems like Scream because it seems like the movies that Scream is influenced by. Yeah. Or pa- no, it's not parroting it, but kind of. Right. Um, playing satire on. Mm-hmm. It definitely plays way more like an 80s film. But then when you're watching it, you're like, oh, you, we know it's the the end of the climax because we're at the big party. But that's part of the blueprint. It follows the blueprint way more than Scream does. Um, it follows way the blueprint more... that Randy lays out in yes, Scream. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it, it goes back to like... Even Urban Legends playing off of sort of like the satire that Scream did. It is a post-Scream film. Where Valentine is in a post-Scream world in that time, but it's playing itself like an 80s slasher. Yeah, like I I wrote an article about it um, for Gasly Grinning last year because I remember not liking this movie very Mm -hmm. much. And then I rewatched it and I liked it. And then I rewatched it again last year. And I really like had a whole different view of it because... I looked at it as kind of Jamie Blanks going like, okay, I already did this. Mm-hmm. Like, I did one of these. So I'm going to make a movie that, from the outside looking in, looks like a post, like the post-scream slasher. But, it's not. but it is going to play like, like a almost like a, a Friday movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love to, like, he inverts it by making an all-female cast. And, and like, we'll get into that a little bit, too, because I really enjoy that stuff. But, yeah, I definitely... Um, it definitely was, like, the last, that tail end of the slashers before, like, the J-horror craze, like, before, really Yeah. Hit. I mean, this is probably one of the last big box office ones. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, for slashers. Before, yeah. For a while. For fucking, until remakes. Yeah. Until, until remake season. In, like, 08. Yeah. So, reception. I mean, I posted about it on our Twitter. I mean, this is, I feel like, a pretty divisive film people aren't in the middle about it everyone who talks about is like oh my god that movie's garbage or oh i love it it's like cheese blah 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 i love it uh the critics not did not like it it's nine percent rotten tomatoes um i on the general consensus on rotten tomatoes i mean i don't disagree with it um they think it's a negative but valentine is basically a formulaic throwback to conventional pre-scream slasher fix 
Critics say it doesn't offer enough suspense or scares to justify its addition to the genre. I mean, it is. It's a it's a formula blueprint throwback. Mm-hmm. Pre-scream. That's perfect definition. Um, doesn't offer enough to add to the genre. I don't think that's true at all. No, and I also think... And I think that's a hard thing to say. Like, there's nothing wrong with ever adding to the genre. Well, yeah. Adding to the genre, it's always hard to tell what kind of long-lasting effects a film is going to have. And then also, I think to... I, I do to say it doesn't offer enough suspense or scares... I can agree with that. It's not a scary movie at all. Like, there's nothing, like, super scary about it. There are moments that are, like, unsettling, and there are, like, moments that are just awkward when you have, like, a bunch of, like, weird close-ups of people's mouths. um, (laughs) Yeah. And, like, a a labyrinth. But it does lack a little in the suspense, for sure. Yeah, but so does Friday. Like, honestly, past, like, there's a couple scenes in Fridays that are suspenseful, yes. Mm -hmm. But, like, for the most part, that movie is spotlighting kills. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, so is this. Jump, 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 yeah. jump. Here yeah. come. There's not a lot of suspense in the Friday movies. Like, yeah. there are, they do do a good job of building up suspense in some of those films, but a lot of those movies are like, what way is Jason going to kill this kid? Well, and I think this plays like that because it's, uh, the Fridays don't do it, but we have our intro kill. And it's part of the blueprint in most 80s movies is that. We start off with a character, and then that's our first kill. Yeah. Either it's 10 seconds in, like My Bloody Valentine, where we really just basically see that kill, and then we know we have a time jump. Um, or this one, where we spend a good 15 minutes for with our first person who dies, and then that starts us off. There's not a big time jump in this one, um, which is, you know, faltering from the... Um, formula but the time jumps related to our killer we have our time jump we have our is it 10 20 because they're in elementary school we have our 20 year time jump yeah um we're opened up with the scene and the dance and then we jump 20 years and then we meet one of the girls and no then, i think it's 15 years what's i oh it's something weird 13 yeah. is Thir- it 13 Remember? It might be, yeah. Yeah, it's I think 13. it's 13. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's 1988 and yeah. it was a one, so it's 13 yeah. years. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. remember going like, oh, 13, of yeah. course. Um, so yeah, it plays with the time jump, which all leads into that. Um, yeah. Uh, Icons of Fright published a retrospective review of the film defending the spirit of it, and it's thematic handling of the holidays mythology aspects, which I agree is super cool because... Mm-hmm. It's definitely something we don't really get. Um, and I think the cherub mask is super fucking creepy. It it's awesome. Of the baby face mask from Happy Death Day. Yeah, which has become a Valentine's Day movie because of its release date, yeah. but it's not related to not Valentine's Day. Um, but yeah, I mean, we love a holiday theme slasher that actually uses the holiday, and this one does. Yeah, like I love My Bloody Valentine, obviously, because it uses it, but like this even goes a step further. Like, I love using the cherub stuff and like, oh, yeah. and like, all, like the killer you literally uses a bow and arrow mm-hmm. at one point and it's fucking great. Well, because My Bloody Valentine, you're playing with two. You have Harry Warden, who's only related to Valentine's Day because that's when he originally killed. Right. And so then it becomes like the town mythology. And right. Like the urban legend of the town is like Harry Warden and Valentine's Day. And, and this one, it's like, no, legit, this is killer like decides to fashion himself as cupid um and do these make these killings happen around valentine's day because 
you know, as we come to find out, that all ties back to the Valentine's Day dance they had as kids. Yeah. So it all, if Valentine's Day did not exist in this movie, the plot wouldn't make sense. Right. So it's integral to the plot, which we don't always get. It's sometimes it's just like, I mean, it's like fucking Thanksgiving. They, it's not really there. Yeah. You know. Sometimes it's just happenstance. Yeah. It's like, oh, it happened to be on this day. Yeah. Like, which I mean, we as horror fans still flock to. We're like, oh yeah, it's a holiday slasher. Well, no, like, I'm going to watch Escape Room on Thanksgiving because it's during Thanksgiving break, but like that movie has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, except yeah. for that they mention it's That's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving break. Yeah. But I mean, it's I'm like, like, well, it's a Thanksgiving But I was like, movie. fuck yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving horror movie? Give I know, we, me. we looked at each other and we're like, oh, a Thanksgiving movie. All right, we need more of these. Yeah, cool. Uh, two posters. One is, oh my God, so much like every other poster from this Okay, era. but it's better. So the first poster um, I will talk about is the theatrical poster. It came, this is the poster that was used to advertise the film at movie theaters. And it is um, a rose. And then you see the cherub mask and overlaid is a letter that says, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. Um... I will, I mean, design-wise, I actually really, really love this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an incredible concept. Um, it's something that, I mean, I think I would be really stoked if I come up, came like came up with it. Um, the way it's laid out on the posters, whatever, but the actual elements of it, I think, are gorgeous. Um, we have Valentine with, like, kind of a weird treatment to the V where it's, like, shifted a little bit, which is very common in... Um, any kind of horror movie treatment it's like um it's to show you things are a little off here yeah things are off something's yeah. been slashed i mean it's true yeah i mean it's hard i remember when i was branding keep screaming like i have played with some ideas of like shifting the text and stuff and i couldn't quite find something that was right and i realized it was really because i felt like it didn't serve a design purpose this doesn't really serve a design purpose um tagline's great it's love hurts i mean yeah it's it's succinct Perfect. and it yeah. fits the film perfectly. It I does. also, I almost wish the mask looked like this in the movie because I love the mask design. Mm-hmm. Like with the note on yeah. it, I think it's, it reminds me of The Graduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's one, one of, of the favorites. best costumes. Yeah. And we always, like, I actually, for the longest time, I like, <laughs> every time I watch this, I think, like, isn't there a scene in this where we see him wake the mask? And I'm like, no, that's fucking... <laughs> the wrong movie. Yeah, that's the wrong movie. Um, and then another tagline, remember the kid everyone ignored on Valentine's Day? He remembers you. I also think that's really good. Yeah. It's creepy. Mm. Um, you're like, wait, what? It kind of like makes you be a little introspective. Um, I think it's great. The only thing about it is design-wise, better poster. But you have a ridiculously attractive cast, and they're not on it, which is very uncommon. And so, of course, the DVD poster has the theatrical poster way washed out in the background. And then you've got your typical glowy um, aughts cast. And Yeah, who do we have on the cut? We have Denise Richards, um, which is funny because she's not really even... I would place her as like third billing behind David Boreanaz and um, Marley Shelton. True, and it's funny, uh, I was looking at what, we'll get into this when we go into her career, because I was kind of looking, everybody knows who Denise Richards is, and I think, and I know why, 
now after I looked into it. Is it because of Wild Things? Well, <laughs> because of Wild Things and then Starship Troopers. I mean, that was her huge breakout. Yeah. And then she did Wild Things. And then she did this. And then honestly, she didn't really do anything else. Yeah, she married Charlie Sheen at some point. Yeah. She married Charlie Sheen, which was why her. people know her. And yeah. it's really sad, actually, that that's kind of what she's known for She's now. known for is for a very hard um, public relationship with Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Um, and then now she just kind of makes appearances and stuff. She came not a lot as like the quote unquote hot girl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's, gore- I thought she was a model. She wasn't a model. Really? No. She wow. was literally like in one episode of like TV shows over and over, like trying to make roles until she was in Starship Troopers. And that was her big breakout role. I love Starship Troopers, and I think never she's really good at What? Oh my god. It's a Star Wars spoof, and I had never seen it's Star Wars. not a spoof at all. Like, it's, that movie's actually, like, hard, oh my god, you have to watch well, it. Well, no, I will, but I, I've started watching it a few times, but they make so many references to so many things I didn't get, that I was like, I need to watch some other stuff That movie's, like, this. hardcore an allegory for imperialism and war. It's... I love that movie. It's so good. No, everybody good. loves that yeah, movie. It's so good. Um, but yeah, so that poster I think sells the movie better. I mean, if I were to see that poster with the cast on it, I would have picked it up more than the other one because it doesn't look like a slasher. Yeah, we have Marley Marley Shelton in on it, uh Catherine Heigl, and then I don't know which actress is behind that. I think it's uh I think it's one of our last I don't know. She's girls. so photoshopped you can yeah. barely recognize her. Uh, no sequels, but it definitely left room for one. I'm interested. I meant to look, and I didn't. It, this is based on a book, mm-hmm. um, and I meant to see if there was a sequel to the book. Uh, I don't Savage, believe so. I think wrote the book something Savage. Um, I know our friend Tom Savage yeah. wrote the book. Aaron definitely said the book is very different, and I want to read it. I should honestly just like see if um, Amazon, yeah, because I I should check it out. But very interested to check that out. But it, it leaves a lot of room for it, and. Had it done maybe better if the or if the slasher boom had lasted a little longer, we might have got a sequel. Yeah, I think if this would have came out in like ninety eight, we could have gotten a sequel. Yeah. Um, which I would have been for. I think this could have been like explored some more. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um Don Davis did the score, who's super famous for doing the Matrix series. Um he did um 99's remake of House on Haunted Hill and then Jurassic Park Three. Um, and then the soundtrack plays a big role in this film. Oh um, my god, the soundtrack. So it's like what I call, it's like new metal and like industrial rock. It's like that phase where you had like, um, it almost, you think it's Nine Inch Nails type stuff. It's really industrial, but then it's like with techno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a lot of that. So it's like Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie and Deftones and Disturbed and Linkin Park. Like for sure a lot of new metal. Yeah, orgy um, filter. Um, and then, yeah, there's scenes in the parties and it's, that's not me. I mean, I actually really like Rob Zombie, um, yeah. as a musician, I enjoy his music. Um, the, I'm not really into the, re- the rest of the bands or like any kind of industrial rock or new metal. Um, but I loved it in the movie. Yeah, it was the only, so I really enjoyed it in the movie. I will say the only thing that was weird is like, it doesn't fit the girls. And so the only scene where it threw me off is the party scene, like her party, because I'm like, this is your playlist. But, but it was the it music not? of the era. Yeah. So it like was. That, that's like the thing is like okay this is but at the same time like I don't I wasn't listening to like pop radio or radio at all in two thousand one maybe you were like was was Britney still big was like Christina still big like because I feel like that 
But just, adults weren't playing that at their part. Right. So that's the thing. It's like in the 90s and early 2000s, pop was big, but you did not listen to Britney and NSYNC and all that bubblegum pop if you were a young adult or high school. That That's not what you were listening to. Um, I guess this it's fits not like, like now the where kind pop of like college, is big. post-college yes. scene of that era. Yeah. And so I think it's really appropriate for the time because even... I, it reminded me of the remake of Prom Night because... That movie plays with a lot more like rock and like, not grungy, but like heavier music than, and I mean, I wasn't, I was listening to it, but not real. Like I listened to some of those bands, but when I think about my high school experience, which was in the time of the Prom Night remake, that's not what I knew people to be listening to. Right. But I think it was appropriate for the movie. And I think in that, what was really popular way more true to prom night than versus like what my small town was like really popular that's true yes i mean this is definitely music that was getting like mainstream play when it normally wouldn't oh and if you had like a now cd shit would be on it for sure yeah that's true yeah um but i think like you said enjoying the movie other than rob zombie not my style of music yeah uh, but in the movie, it's super, like, super fitting. And also, I love any time a Rob Zombie song pops pop yeah. in the movie. And I also, I think just the whole, like, more, like, aggressive industrial techno just plays really well in the theme of horror. Um, because oh, it's yeah. really yeah, abrasive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so whenever that's used, like, I think of Hell Night. Um, and when they're in the club and the techno music. And that plays so well with, like, the kills that are happening you know what i'm talking about the gay one right uh-huh. yeah okay i was um, trying to remember I'm like, it plays in i know we're talking about all these hellfest and blood is it called rage. hell night i don't know no hell i can't blade? no the hell blade i think it's blade, blade fest hell bent hell bent sorry guys i have pregnancy this, i have pregnancy brain I Ryan just has have, no excuse yeah i have no excuse but also like lots of horror movies and like the words hell and blood get thrown around <laughs> yeah. a lot so like something yeah. something yeah so but no, I, to- I totally agree with you. Um, Jamie Blanks directed, who uh, I think since we've started this, like, B and I have developed this, like, almost unhealthy obsession with <laughs> Mr. Jamie Blanks. Um, like, our I running mean, joke is that we ask our friend Aaron to just periodically run outside and scream his name. Because they both live in Australia. Yeah. So we're like, that's how it works, right? Australia is small enough that, like, sooner or later he'll just be walking by and he'll be like, Jamie, come here. I need to talk to you. We're, Ryan and I's uh, big dream in life is we're going to write a movie for him to direct. We're going to write a slasher. Yeah. I tweeted- Would you guys like to see us write a slasher that Jamie Blanks directs? Because we just, do. I would just love to see Jamie Blanks back. I tweeted while we were watching this and I was like, my new goal is to make a documentary called Where Are You, Jamie Blanks? And I then, just imagined him, like, out in the bush of Australia, like, yeah. hacking up snakes or something. Yeah, just ignoring the world, yeah. um, knowing he directed Urban Legend and Valentine. Uh, Which he apologizes for when he shouldn't. Yeah, definitely do Get not. Get out of here. Yeah, Jamie Blanks, if you ever listen to our podcast, never apologize. Uh, we treasure these movies. But he is our first repeat director, yeah. too, which is exciting. Uh, and we were, we were actually kind of stunned by that. We're like, how is he our first repeat? But we realized it's because we... Haven't done the Scream franchise yet, which is obviously all Wes. And then we haven't touched... anything Wes has done. Yeah, we haven't done anything Wes has done. So, I mean, he does two of the Nightmare movies, um, you know, 
Yeah, we've uh, repeated Kevin Williamson. Yeah, that's it. And John does two of the Halloween movies, mm-hmm. and even Rob Zombie does two of the Halloween movies. But we haven't touched any of those. So yeah, first repeat director in two like two different franchises, which is cool. These are his only slasher, so Come we will back. never get to talk to him about him again. So this is our last th- chance. They might have got commentary for him on Urban Legend, maybe on the screen blue, but I'm not sure. Yeah, we're it's not out yet, um, but Screen Factory is releasing a Blu-ray of Valentine, which Ryan and I both plan to devour. Yep. All those special features. Yep. So we'll we'll check in after we watch those special features and just say, hey, we this is what we learned that we didn't know. Yeah, and um, definitely check it out. Devin Whitehead from Cavity Color Sid the Art, and he's a super awesome he's guy. He's extremely talented. It's, yeah, incredible. Um, like we said, it's based on Tom Savage's novel. Uh, quite a few writers attached to this. So it had like two writing pairs, basically. So we can kind of count it as two writers. Um, so Donna and Wayne Powers, who are famous for Deep Blue Sea and The Italian Job. Deep Blue Sea? Uh-huh. I love Deep Blue Sea. I have an unabashed love for that cheese festival movie. We watched it this New Year's. My buddy Jeremy, who hosted the New Year's party I went to, put it on in the background. And as I was watching it, I kind of like dawned on me. I was like, I have seen this movie maybe more than any movie I've ever seen. I've like I it's one of those I movies that fierce. I, it's one of those movies that I'm like I just I'm like doing something and I want something enjoyable and cheesy. Is in it the background. on? Is streaming somewhere then? Yeah, Amazon Prime. Yeah, um, Deep Blue Sea too. Have to watch it. Not as enjoyable. I mean, I've seen it, but yeah, I it's been a long time. Also crazy to me that the people who wrote Deep Blue Sea also wrote, wrote the, the Italian, Italian job, job, which is an excellent movie. Super, excellent, Super but good. very different. Yes. Like not cheesy. And then or, this movie. And like, then this. Yeah. yeah. Very eclectic careers here. Yeah. And then Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts are also writing partners. Speaking of, they um, are writers and producers for Star Trek Discover. Um, they've done like a ton of wow, shows right up my alley yeah. rain revenge pushing daisies wonderfalls roswell the og 90210 like all, all hail them all that makes sense and so the movie makes sense with that and why it like hit all my buttons makes sense because i'm like uh-huh uh-huh yeah that's that's for me yeah all those things are for me <laughs> uh denise richards as we said gets top billing even though i would place her like probably third in the cast yeah. as like stars um b as b mentioned you know starship troopers would break out well in 97 wild things in 98 oh and then dropped at gorgeous in 99 which is an excellent fantastic movie um if people haven't watched it i feel like it gets overlooked a lot um it is about a group of oh yes 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 i know that one um pageant yeah. girls pageant girls yeah um kirstie alley um yeah that's a really good movie um why am i forgetting the kirsten one of the kirstens kirsten dunst, kirsten dunst. Um, and then Denise Richards. This movie is wonderful and dark and really, really great. And one of the first movies, at least I think, that really played with the whole idea of like sort of the darkness of women. And it's filmed like a mockumentary. And uh, it impresses me every time I rewatch it. Yeah, that's a good movie. So she had like a string of hits there. Wild Things. Um, Wild Things is well known, obviously, for like the lesbian makeout mm-hmm. slash sex scene and threesome. Uh, but that movie actually is like a pretty neat little mystery thriller when you actually watch it. There's lots of twists and turns in that movie. Uh, and I, like I said, I fucking love Starship Troopers. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, I think when I was looking at her career, you know so much about Denise Richards. You look at her and you feel like, oh yeah, I mean, I've seen her in a million things. And then maybe you've seen her appear in a lot of things, but I think... You know, 
her relationship with Charlie Sheen, unfortunately, is what's given her a lot of attention, yeah. whether she liked it or not. Kind of took her out of her starring roles. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then she also had kids. So, yeah. you know, that's a lot of work, as I will come to know. Yep. Um, David Boreans as Adam Carr slash Jeremy Milton. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. He is our killer. Um, so this movie came out in 2001. Um, Aim- so he was in Buffy from 97 to 2003. But Angel, his own spinoff show, started in 99. So this is like freaking height Angel time. Yep. When- and this is his first starring role. He was in a like two movies where he wasn't even credited. So this is his first big box office movie. And man... I'm just, what a babe. Yep. What uh, a we, babe. Yeah, we watched this with my wife, and we're like, uh, um, B and I are both like, ooh, yeah. And she's like, I just, I don't I don't get it. And oh, I was uh-uh. like, maybe it's because, like, the Buffy thing. And she's like, you know, it's his hair. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, the hair of the era. Yeah. yeah you got to, like, look past it a little bit. You just got to look past the hair. And yeah. you just got to see that that smile. It's, the, yeah, it's, it's like the smile. The and I was like, trust me, he looks better when he's brooding. Uh-huh. And, like, when he broods and then, or when he's angelus and uh-huh. he gives a smile yeah like i'm all about it i'm so definitely a, bit, a big fan yeah uh, angel when i watched buffy uh as an adult for the first time when i rewatched i was like oh wow okay that's i got a big old crush on this guy like holy shit and then i started watching bones and i was like he's still hot yeah holy shit and he's still and he plays like a really charismatic cocky character very different from angel but I was just like, oh my god, I'm in love with him. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. he's a... Um, I, I love him and Buffy. Like, him and Buffy's relationship is like... Ultimate ship. Uh, yeah. The ultimate ship. It's like when people, like, anyone who comes at me and is like anyone other than Logan and Veronica. I'm like, I'm like get no, the fuck get out, out of here. here. Yeah, it's Not the same valid. with Angel and Buffy. I'm yeah. like, nah, I don't care. Uh, Marley Shelton is uh, actually our, like, kind of star. She's as, our final girl. Yeah, Kate Davies. She is in a ton of shit. You'll, like, wreck... She's one of those girls who I, like, recognize, and you're like, what is her name? Um, she plays Dr. Dakota Block in Planet Terror, slash Deathproof, or in Grindhouse. Um, she is Kirsten and Never Been Kissed. She's what I recognize her most from. Um, she plays one of the Barbies in that movie. Yeah, Diana and Sugar and Spice. Excellent uh, movie. That's another one, actually. Drop, yeah, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Reminds me of Drop yeah. Dead Gorgeous, yeah. Um, Chloe and Bubble Boy, speaking of Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Uh, Ingrid and Uptown Girls. And then, of course, I immediately recognize her as Dep- Deputy Judy in Scream 4. Um, who has like a weird thing for, for Dewey. Dewey. Yeah, she's one of our red herrings in that movie. Yeah, which I never believe for a second, but no. she is one of the red herrings in that movie. Um, she's she's an interesting actress. Um, I don't like. There's some role like there's sometimes because I've seen all these movies and sometimes like I can think of it in my head. I'm like, oh, she's definitely like better in this movie than she is in this movie. Like, I don't know if she's a little too aloof for me i yeah, guess yeah i mean i think there's a reason she plays the best friend yes absolutely she doesn't really have like final girl star power no um she's not that captivating um she's she just comes across as like nice yes yeah exactly. which is fine yeah which is fine but again, it's, it's very one dimensional yeah yeah I agree. um and i mean literally like every role mm-hmm uh, Jessica Capshaw is Dorothy Wheeler, who played um, Dr. Arizona. Arizona. Arizona and Grey's Anatomy. 
Um, we get two Grey's Anatomy because we also have uh, Catherine Heigl as Shelley Fisher in this. Um, but this was pre-Grey's. But they both of them for both of them. I mean, Catherine Heigl shot this move her part in two days because she was committed to Roswell. So this was like right at the cusp of her. Like, yeah, she thing. doesn't even have any scenes with any of the other actresses because no. um, she is our first kill. Yeah. And then Jessica Col- uh, Caulfield as Lily Voigt. She was Margot in Legally Blonde, and she's also in Urban Legends Final Cut. Um, but. Yeah, definitely yeah, you'll definitely those... recognize her if you yeah, see Michael Blonde. Yeah, um, And then, you know, those first three, like, D- Denise Richards and Marley Shelton are, like, are the main characters mm-hmm. we follow, for yeah. sure. Um, it's definitely a whodunit. Definitely a holiday slasher. The whodunit aspect's really big. Mm-hmm. Uh, they... It's driving. Yeah, they... What's cool, what I really actually like about it is all of these women, including our first girl, who is literally on a, like, a blind date almost, um... It's definitely like a well, first date. Yeah. Um, even he becomes like this character we barely meet becomes a suspect, and then also has the same initials. Yeah, yeah. has the same initials. So like, there's some, they do some cool stuff because like by making it so our killer like could have like dropped off the radar, could have got like surgery, surgery, and then all four girls are no, three of the girls are in committed like not committed relationships but relationships like mm-hmm. they're with they're someone, and then Denise Richards is the only one who's single. Because she's like picky, like they make fun of her a lot actually for being like a hoe. But she's actually the only one of them who's like never interested in anyone. She's yeah, like she, she's yeah. very selective, but yeah. like she never hits on. She hits on like one person for half a second. They're like, oh, he's taken. And she's like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. But the whole movie, they're like, oh, you, like like basically calling her a slut. And I'm like, she hasn't done anything to like garner this. I don't understand, but. Um, Adam Carr slash Jeremy Melton. So that's um, David Boreanaz is our killer. Uh, so he is, man, this is like a real fucked up situation. Yeah, so he's our boy. Jeremy is the one who gets accused of assault by um, Dorothy. Dorothy, yeah. yeah. Wow, how did I forget that name? And God, they called her a bull? Or no, they called her... Some nickname they gave her in high school. Yeah, I mean, they fat shame her. Yeah, they fat shame her a lot. Yeah. Um, And then. They call her like the Buffalo, I think. Yeah, something fucking weird. I think I blocked it out of my memory. Um, And yeah, so he's, you know, asking, goes, asks all the girls, and then she's like, you know, insecure, they say, and she's like, got a guy who's like talking to her, and she's the fat girl, and she's like, okay, and they go under the bleachers and they kiss. And then, you know, some people see them and she's like mortified that they are going to think that she likes this dorky guy. And so she lies and says that he's assaulting her and that um, like he attacked her. Mm. And I mean, that super horrible. Yeah. And then also like, you know, then those kids like come after him and that you know, obviously fucks him up. Yeah. There's like a Carrie reference. They drop punch yeah. on him. So it's like very much Carrie. Um, it definitely like, I mean, it, it's one of those things that like probably shouldn't, but it definitely like bullying is a really big thing for me, at least personally. Like I think it's super fucked up and like, it's something in our society that I'm like really, truly against. Mm-hmm. And so like this scene is super uncomfortable for me because I just feel bad for in this In every kid. aspect? In every aspect because like 
he's like yes he's dorky or whatever but he's like politely asking these girls he's not like a creep or a weirdo he's just asking he's not for like after they say no he walks away yeah and he's like super polite to all of them he's like hey would you like to dance with me and they're like no he's like okay and he just goes to the next girl and then he finally finds this girl that wants to and he's like really excited about it then they're like kissing and then she accuses him so one i think bullying super bad and two like false accusations are fucking horrifying and scary and yeah and they damage the majority of people who aren't making false accusations exactly exactly yeah Yeah, which is uh, like an even scarier motive so like there were like this whole opening scene for me i'm just like oh i fucking hate this because like it's so uncomfortable but and we should because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a fucking good ass motive, man. It's a great motive. And what I love about this motive is instead of coming after the boys that attack him, he comes after the girls who sh- who spurned him and then also accepted Dorothy into their lives for accusing him of something mm-hmm. that's untrue. Because that's really why, like, we don't see it, but we learn about it in our in our jump forward. That that's, really, she was not, I mean, she was the fat one, she was kind of an outcast, and because of this situation, she became part of the popular girls. Yeah, she became accepted yeah. for, for falsely ruining, accusing yeah. for ruining him, yeah. And he got sent to reformatory school, and then, like, you know, we find out he's sent to reformatory school, and his parents died of fire, which is pretty intense. Yeah, um, this fucking poor kid, I mean, man. we're definitely led to presume he murdered his parents <laughs> yeah. as well, which is a little intense. Um, but, yeah, so the motive, I think, again, also fits in very well with the 80s era of horror. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, like, it is that thing that... It's that thing where it's, like, it is a traumatizing 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 experience but it's not like to the extreme that someone would dress up as a a cupid and murder people but it's a horror movie well yeah like like, okay so just think about the movies we've covered like terror train and slaughter high and we haven't covered it but prom night yep I mean, those fit and all super yeah. like super well. This like is super reminded me of like, like the bully. premise is Terror Train a yeah. lot to me, um, but better. Well, yeah, because, a like, lot better because the prank wasn't. I was caught in a blanket, <laughs> <laughs> fucking fish face from Terror Train, Jesus. Um, yeah, but and so his backstory. So we get it. It's great. Um, it's super intertwined with the girls that we then follow. We get our time jump. Which then plays into that. His motive, I mean, his entire life was changed because of that situation. And it's really their fault. Um, It's Dorothy's fault specifically. But then the girls for perpetuating it and encouraging it. Um, And And for never bothering to learn the truth. Because, like, the girls... They find out later. They find out later. And they get, like, pretty upset, too. Because they're like, dude, like, that's That's pretty fucked up. up. Like, his life was ruined. Yeah. Um, Well, especially because then they're realizing, like, he could be coming after us. Why is he coming after us? And then they're like, well, he attacked you. He's a psycho. And she's like, well, actually... My dog is being crazy out there. Sorry. That's Timothy Riggins, the dog, making a guest appearance on the show. Uh, yeah, but, and, and then also, I mean, I just think the killer himself is a lot of fun. You know, when we get the cherub mask, when we start getting, like, the set piece kills, like, all of that, I think is just a lot of fun, too. So, um, fits in super well with, like, that kind of 80s theme line, 80s, like, idea of a slasher, right down to, like, the dressing up, like, the, the disguised killer. Um, so, yeah, I actually end up, like, digging the the jeremy melton killer no iconic weapon though um but Mm -hmm. that's very much because this movie is one of those movies that like uses its kills to 
um, like Friday the 13th again, like to really showcase like these like kind of creative or intense ways that he's killing the girls. Right. And so it's not, it makes the kill, it makes it more about the kills and makes it more fun. He's using things that he finds. Yeah. Instead of it being like Michael with the knife or, you know, Ghostface with the knife and anybody with the knife. Freddy with the claws. Yeah. Victor Crowley with a hatchet. Yeah. yeah. Instead, we're getting like, which some would argue makes it less slasher-like because he's not always using a serrated blade. Um, but I think there's, I think uh, the exception to that rule is um, using weapons in the situation. Yeah. I think yeah, it's yeah. very slasher-esque. Yeah. So if you go in a room, you walk in a room, you need to kill this person, you pick up the fucking iron. Yeah, exactly. I think as long as you're not using, like, guns. Right. <laughs> Um, or your fist. Yeah. Punching freaking heads off. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's Jason, but... Uh, eight body count, but that includes... Um, no. What? Oh, nine body count, but um, eight is from our actual killer. Yes. Um, which is average. Yeah, that's pretty average. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelly Fisher is our first to die, as we mentioned. So after we get our prom night scene, we jump forward to Catherine Heigl on this terrible date with this guy who literally refers to himself in the third person which mm-hmm. drives me fucking crazy and i hate it uh and they all think he's i think it's got to be like a decade thing they all think he's really hot and i'm like i don't what's he it. call himself the jason i think his name was yeah he definitely is the worst and it's kind of wild too because i didn't realize it until later but like she goes on this date and then she goes back to her job at the morgue and I'm like, oh, like this. she's a student. She's studying. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Gotcha. So she has a she's bad pre med. Yeah, right, she's a right. pre med student, and she's they the girls make a lot of comments about they haven't seen her because she's super serious about school. So she wants goes on this bad date. She's like, fuck this, I'm gonna go study. Yeah, and we this I would say is the most suspenseful scene yes. of the movie um, because we get which this, plays in line with yeah. you know a lot of the movies of the time where. You know, you, you get that suspenseful, you're like, oh shit, like there's a killer. And then the rest of them are kind of like, oh wait, how are they going to die? Because you know they're going to. Yeah, and it's definitely like creepy still because one, morgues are fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. And two, they do a really good like bait switch. Um, yeah. Where she's working on a body, she hears something, she comes back. And then the like gone. the body's gone. Uh, no, the body's there. But then they, the body's still there. The body falls out of the closet. The real body, she turns around, and now the oh, body's yeah. gone. So we know that he was laying on the yeah. slab, and he's got up. Um, and then he chases her, and I really like this scene, too. He chases her, and she hides in a room where like the bodies are, and she zips herself up in a bag. And it's pretty brutal. He just goes through, and he's literally just stabbing every bag. Like, doesn't mm-hmm. like it's not like he's looking for her. He's just like, oh, I'm gonna stab every bag. Yeah. Um, and he finally finds her, and he slits her throat. And then we get like a cool shot of like the little uh, funnel they use, uh, where the blood drips out, and we just see her blood drip out. And that's like kind of our intro into into the movie. Um, but yeah, it's our first look at the character. He's got the cherub mask. He's got a big ass blade. We see, you know, his Valentine's Day card because he does leave one for her. And all of his Valentine's cards are super like creepy and well crafted and like like very well designed too. Well, and then we haven't brought it up, which I feel like is the biggest thing people talk about and like they're complaining about his nose bleeding. And so it's a, it it's, is a weird. It's a little weird. The only thing that watching it. So I originally watched this movie, and it's been forever since I've seen it when I was, like, super young. Um, and I remember that was, like, the thing that sticks in your head is, like... That I think it's because yeah. the final scene. It is. And I think it's, like, added in there to be, like... 
they I think they almost said it like just in case you didn't realize the right. like the breadcrumbs we left for you. Here is a final note. Yeah, so it is like a little like over the top, but you know, it really pushes you to be like, no, it has to be Jeremy Milton in some form because his nose bleeds at the Valentine's Day dance and then now every time the killer kills somebody, his nose bleeds. And so it might be like hitting you over the head a little, might be a little cheesy, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I do agree with you. Like it's a little cheesy. It's a little repetitive. Yeah. Um, but it's it is like, it's that's letting Jeremy you Melton? know. That's Jeremy Melton. Yeah. That's Jeremy Melton. Yeah. Uh, Lily is our next kill. It actually goes a while now. Like most, like a lot of these yeah. do. Like you establish your first kill and then you spend a while a meeting plot. your characters, mm-hmm. getting your exposition. They go to Shelly's funeral. They meet the police officer who's investigating the case. And he's like asking them, like, could it be kind of hinting? Could it be any of you girls? Like, are you guys are all in good standing? Could it be and, your like, boyfriend. Could it be your boyfriends? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we spend a time meeting, like, the girl's boyfriend. So Lily's dating, like, an art, like, he's, like, a, uh, like, a, what do you call those artists? He's a fine artist. Yeah. He's, he, he, like, does, you know, like, um, fuck, what is the word I'm looking at? Performance art. It's, like, um, yeah, he does, like, performance art pieces. Um, we meet, mm, um. It's not performance art. There's no performing. I guess that's true. Yeah. It's fine art. It's whatever. It's art. It's art. Um, I held up air quotes like you guys can fucking see what I'm doing. Uh, Are you saying it's not art because you don't like it? Yes. That's not ex- how art that's, works, yeah, Ryan. That's exactly what I'm saying, actually. Um, and then who are, oh, Dor- and then we meet Dorothy's boyfriend, who is this fucking <laughs> super creep. Um, he, I can't remember his name either. He plays Ron in you, though, in case you guys were wondering. Oh, yeah. He shows up and he's like basically a bum because she's hella rich and it's very obvious that he's using her. He's like telling her that he's got this startup because don't forget, this is 2001. Mm-hmm. So the internet boom was like, he's big. got an internet startup. Yeah, he's got an internet startup and like bigger just, than AOL. You yeah, guys. he just needs somewhere to crash. Um, Campbell. Yeah, Campbell, Campbell that's Morris. His name. Yeah, so, weird names in this movie. Um, so he, he like, we're introduced to him and he's like definitely like totally just like using her for her money and as a place to stay um you know we meet we meet uh G- david Boreanaz's character which adam. i'm already forgetting yeah adam yeah um who is our final girl's boyfriend um and then you know we realize denise richards is also single um in fact they find out about the murder after a pretty hilarious speed dating sequence that i thought was fascinating if you, yeah, if, I'm pretty sure you said, I'm sold on any movie that has speed dating in it. Yeah. And then you and your wife both said you would like to try speed dating. Yeah. Just to see. I, I don't... I don't I, think it really exists anymore, does it? I don't know. But I really want to go if it does. It's like such a fucking Brian, weird 2000 era. How weird would that be? Really weird and uncomfortable. But, yeah, that's But what I'm also, saying. like, I love my wife. It's not like, even if I connect well, with no, people, this is nice. But I'm but. saying, you're, like, putting yourself in a situation where you'd be like, oh, yeah, I have a connection with this person. Would you like to be friends? Because actually, I'm very happily married. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I would also feel so uncomfortable taking my wedding ring off that I would never be able to actually get through it. That's what I'm saying. The weirdos. Um, I do not want to speed date. I'm very happy not I just think it's, like, a very interesting, like, aughts phenomenon that happened Mm -hmm. Uh, and then also they do video dating in this too which Mm -hmm. is another one that like completely to me is like so fucking weird i mean i yeah i don't i don't know i mean i've haven't been single in forever and i really i was only single in high school 
I started dating my husband like right out of high school. I definitely I never, never like used like this. You know, B and I are like pre Tinder. Like we did yeah. like those things didn't exist. No. And the, but we were also too young for like speed dating and, and like so the only way to meet people was well MySpace or fa- or Facebook. Yeah. But realistically, like MySpace or meeting people. It's yeah, just like fucking life. meeting people in real life. I know. So like one of our friends is like ready to start dating after like a breakup and like asking like oh yeah i don't want to date i don't want to do online dating i'm not comfortable with that like how do i meet people and i'm like i have no idea like no help friends going out activities she's like yeah but all my friends are married i'm like "Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." yeah like like fuck power to all of you out there in the dating world yeah for real like to trying to figure it out because i'll pass um yeah it just seems like a nightmare including including i'd be single yeah. Genuinely. I, but I would speed date just to see. But I don't think I would ever like me. Cute. Ryan's a serial dater. He can't be single for more than like 10 minutes. That's okay. But if I ever get divorced, <laughs> yeah. if I ever get divorced, which I won't, but if I did, I'm never getting like married again because it's a hassle. <laughs> it's a hassle. <laughs> True. Uh, so our next kill is actually one like another one of our main girls. It's um, Lily. So she is the one who's dating the artist. Um, Max. Who, Max, who you'll recognize from Empire Records. He plays AJ in Empire Records. He's, like, one of the main stars of that movie. Um, and this is it's actually one of my favorite, like, kill scenes in the movie because um, Max is doing, you know, his fine art piece, which is uh, this, like, kind of maze he's built out of television screens that are all, like, varying close-ups of people's faces saying, like, I love you or... Um, like different, yeah, and different, so like, it's like phrases. an interactive art experience. Yeah, and then there's like women taking people their to tops go through, off, like the maze. Yeah, and there's like aside for women, aside for men, and we realize that um, you know Lily and Max are making out, and he has invited his assistant to join them, and which she's, she's like, not like, into. Oh, fuck no. So she's leaving, and we get uh, our Cupid killer again, and this is where he dons his bow and arrow and fucking shoots her three times. Um, until she stumbles out of the exit and, like, down a stairwell. And into the trash, very handily, actually. And the one thing I will say about this film, and I think, I was when I was looking at the cinematographer, they really, like, didn't credit them as a cinematographer. They just, I don't really think the film had one, so I'm going to give, like, Jamie Blinks the credit for this. I just love how he, like, storyboard and sets up his shots. Because they're it's really nice to look at and if you notice when you're watching this movie like in this kill in particular the way she stumbles back and then the way that she falls into the trash can it's like you see all these um stairwells and it turns and it's just really beautifully shot yeah um and very um you know it has a great style and it it's intentional um which i really appreciate um from like an art background from a film background i love the intentionalness and there's quite a few shots where you just go like that was on purpose yeah that looks that way on purpose which the average person's not going to pay attention to i love it so i do um but it's it i think it just really elevates a film from just being like okay like pan over here and here's this and it's not necessarily anything wrong with that but i think you just makes a film so much nicer to look at when you 
Well, I even dig like his shots in that scene too, where he's pulling the arrows back, and it's like mm-hmm. kind of a close up just on the lower half of his yeah. mask as him like po- pulling the. And all that back. takes a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of like th- you know you're changing cameras and being like, okay, well we have to go here, so now we have to adjust, and so normally like on a film that's done fast and cheap you don't really get a lot of that and we do in this one so i really enjoy that um our next kill is definitely our most like uh pov slasher kill uh or the closest i feel like it gets at least when he enters the apartment um we see the cupid killer like enter the apartment grab the iron as there's someone's apartment at first b and i thought so you're introduced earlier this character named gary who like speaks in rhyme for some fucking reason that no one like is never really explained because it's valentine's yeah but he's like he's like hey kate we could date maybe even mate and like blah 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 and so we thought it was gary's apartment that the killer was in and then we because he goes in the bedroom and he has like underwear and it's her underwear it's very obvious and we're yeah, like but i oh, thought he'd stolen that yeah i did she too said that she some stuff was stolen from their house yeah so i was like oh gross like he stole her underwear and then when he gets he gets killed he gets bludgeoned with this hot iron there's, and, like, pictures of the girls in the background. Yeah, and B goes, why would he have pictures of that? And I was like, and both of us were like, oh, that was her fucking apartment. Yeah. Which so is, he caught them. He yeah. caught their neighbor, like, in there trying on their underwear in their apartment. Which was gross. Creepy. Yeah, so creepy. Yeah, and this is, like, the only kill that's, like, hella random. Yeah, it's like, well, um, I mean, the the maid off screen is, we, we don't yeah. see it, but that's another one that's kind of, like, just to boost the numbers. Yeah, kind of just kill. to get the kills. I mean, this is awesome because I I shouldn't say it's random. This, uh, the neighbor is one of our red herrings. Absolutely, yeah. He's one of our potential killers. So this eliminates killers. him. So this is, we're slowly eliminating the people who could be the killer. Yeah, so. just I, I guess the whole JK, setting of it is a little random. But I love it. Um, and he's like, he is really creepy. He has like this. Yeah, and it's. it's he's bad. Uh, uh, fucking, what are they called? Sideburns that like lead into his mustache. It's not. He's not attractive. Brian's not here for it. No, I'm not at all. I mean, uh, yeah. Also, just who 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 speaks in rhyme? It's because it's Valentine's. I get it, but yeah. it's weird. Well, yeah, he's weird. He's trying on her like pantyhose. That's weird. Yeah, that's true. Breaks into her apartment, their apartment. It's fucking weird. So, and this is great too because it's a kill that we are excited about. Yeah, exactly. Because so, it's someone we want to die. Yeah, we're like, oh, that guy's creepy. a creep. Oh, he's not the killer. Yeah, fucking get him. You know. Yeah, and then um, you know, as the as we move further along, we're getting more and more eliminations of the people that might be killers. So Campbell is our next to go. Um, as he is trying to uh, screw Dorothy out of money, he's like literally trying to siphon money out of her bank account um, after having not slept with her because he couldn't get an erection. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of non-sex in this movie. Yeah, so there it's is always a, like a startup to sex, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, and that was actually something when I rewatched this movie. Like, so you and I, when we watched it, definitely noted like the women are very mean to each other, and it was like this era of like when on in movies and on TV, like women for, couldn't be friends. Yeah, they were like friends, but they were always like backhanded complimenting each other or like Super kind of catty. shaming each other for, like whether it was fat it's shaming or honestly or my shaming. only complaint about this film yep. is I find the dialogue between the women like insufferable. Women don't talk to each other that way. It's just you don't. And yeah, it's weird. you you would only talk to people that way if you were friends with them sort of because you had to be. And you really didn't like each other, which is probably it's like what they're trying to allude to, that these women don't really like each other because um, they're super mean to each other. Um, 
but just everything they say is really catty um really backhanded a lot of like shaming and a lot of fat shaming and slut shaming and uh it's you're i'm just listening to it i'm like who talks like this nobody talks like this it's it starts to hint on the whole like later trend of the odds of like the meanness where everybody has to be hella mean to each other this is like a sliver of that but it feels weird because you're supposed to like have this like camaraderie of these like best friends who've stayed friends since they were in elementary yeah. school so it doesn't really match yeah that was i it's agree it's like one of the or... most off-putting things but one of the things i do enjoy is like this weird inverse that jimmy Links decided to do not weird but like actually refreshing inverse of like we get a cast of women that are very in charge of like their own sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like these very are open about it. They're very open about it. They're never these. None of these women ever are pressured into sex. They even dot like Dorothy decides when she wants to have sex with Campbell. Like she is the one who decides it, and it doesn't like work out or whatever. But like every and like you know Denise Richards, like we were saying, her character gets like constantly slut shamed, but men are constantly hitting on her and she's like uh you no yeah she like, goes she... upstairs with a guy presumably to have sex with them but then the way he he literally was like here's my dick and she's like yeah okay get out of here like she literally burns his penis with yeah. with candle wax yeah so i enjoyed that a lot because it very much was very like this movie to me plays a lot like an 80s movie in a lot of ways this is not one of them where like i feel like 80s movies like that's kind of where we got the trope of like women getting naked in horror films, um, like nudity in horror films. And this 100% flips that and it's like, nope, these women are in, like very, like the women in the 80s are also very okay with their sexuality. There's, there is a lot of like creepy perviness in the 80s, but there's also a lot of like, most of the women in the Friday the 13th series want to have sex. They're horny, but like, which is totally fine too. But like this is very. But much... then we have yeah, like those burning scenes where it's just like pressure. Yeah, like, where it's like yeah, pressure no. and like people being weird. Yeah. But like this to me very much feels like still like in line with those '80s movies. But it's like these are women who are sexual, yes. But they like there's no gratuitous nudity, which is refreshing. it's more realistic yeah. to what it's like to be a woman. Yeah, and like, I and you know, I like I really a dig- sexually active woman who's not ashamed of that. Yeah, I would like really dug it because women. like all these women are like proud and active of their sexuality but like they're never like it's never done in a way that's exploitative at all which i i think is really refreshing Mm -hmm. um made millie's killed off screen she's also from dorothy's house um we see like one part of dorothy yelling at her about like making lunch or something before she's killed off screen um just stabbed in the stomach uh ruthie is a character that gets randomly introduced during our like art scene she uh uh it has nothing to do with Max, but she's there for Campbell because he's already ripped her off out of a bunch of money. So she's kind of there to She like, helps collect. play Campbell as the bad guy. Yes. Um, and helps paint thinking maybe Campbell is our killer because he's trying to get money from her. Um, like that's part of his ploy. And she's definitely body fodder. Like she's an extra kill for yeah. sure. Because, um, yeah. But she's even like, what's so weird about her character, she comes in and she's hella fucking mean to the girls. Like, oh, super really mean. mean. And even though like, Campbell's the one who screwed her yeah, out of a bunch of money. Yeah, and it's like, you don't know these women. If anything, you should be like, hey, I'm here to warn you. Like, he's a bad guy. Um, he's my ex. Yeah, he instead of they just start over. calling her the, them leech. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's just like, I'm like, wait, why is she, what did they do to her? Like, she's just being hella mean. She like crashes their party. Yeah, by the way, we're already at the end. Because like, we're already at our party scene. We're yeah. At, where, like, this the movie big... 
um, like moves the pacing so good. Like you just chugging along and we get to the scene and I told Ryan, I'm like, oh, this is our finale. He's like, what? I'm like, it's the party. It's yeah. a Valentine's Day party. It's our finale. And he's There's like, oh shit. no plotting. Like it's like, I know, you don't drag in this no, at all. You chug along and then just when you think you're like kind of trying to figure it out and you're doing this, you're like, oh shit. Like we're at the end of the we're movie. We're at the end. Okay. So she, yeah, Ruthie crashes the party um, and the power... The power goes out, and so, like, the, the party kind of, like, clears out, um, and Ruthie is downstairs, and she is murdered in, like, a sauna. Uh, she ends up, like, hi- she's kind of hiding in, like, a shower, um, and the, like, glass is broken, and he... Oh, and he, like, shoves her neck he, on it. It's, it's pretty brutal, actually. Really brutal. Yeah, yeah. It's not, like, a throat slicing. Mm-mm. It's definitely, like, the sh- broken shards of glass are shoved up through yeah. her throat. It's, like, it's a little Like, the intense. bottom of her throat. Um, and then we get to Paige. Paige's scene is awesome. Um, Paige, again, <laughs> going completely against all... This is after that guy has showed his dick off to her, and she's like, I'm done. And she's, like, literally just done with the party, so she's like, I'm gonna hang on the hot tub. Um, and this hot tub's hella cool, by the way. Yeah. It has, like, this transparent cover, and the killer comes down there, and the room is, like, all fauna, and, like, it looks like it's outside, but it's inside. I love this, like, the whole presentation the setup, of the scene yeah. is great. Um, and he starts, he traps her into the hot tub and he starts coming after her with a drill. Yeah, he plays with her, which is very slasher-like. Yeah, and the drill scene, this, this scene is suspenseful because he's got this hella long drill. It's like a fucking two-foot drill at least. So she's trying to avoid him. She's also trying to get out. And then she's trying to fucking breathe because there's only so much room between the water and where the case is. Yeah, so she has to keep coming up to get air, obviously, but she's also trying to avoid him and try to find a way out. Um, and he's like, she avoids him for a while before he finally like hits her a couple times, um, and then he, kind of anticlimactically, he just drops the her. drill into the hot tub, yeah. which electrocutes her. Which is like I said, I, I it's a li- to me the actual kill is a little bit of a letdown because the whole setup of the like the drill through the top yeah. is like really cool. Not as big of payoff. It just looks hella cool. Yeah, the blood and the water. It's visually stunning. Yeah, and so. Um, for those who aren't, like, gore freaks, it's a pretty cool kill. Uh, Detective Leon is also killed off screen, uh, but we do see his head. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but not the best effects, because we definitely, for a minute there, we're like, whose head is that? Yeah, we're like, wait. But there is, like, a point where he calls, and he's like, uh, Jeremy Moton, like, is definitely, like, out and about. And, like, the guy we thought it was, who was the the creep from the first date. Was cleared. Um, was cleared. And they're like, oh, well, like... He's this, at the party. He's yeah, gonna be at the party. he's at the party. And so... The, and then he never shows up. And then they find his head randomly in the backyard. And, like, rolls into view. Uh, this is, like, when we get our climax. Um, Dorothy has kind of disappeared. Um, what? I keep forgetting her name. Oh, my God. Kate definitely, like, thinks it's Adam. Um... Mm-hmm. And so she's like avoiding We have a him. very big like scream like yeah he um, so moment between he, um between Adam two. and yeah and yeah Kate. it feels very much like um, Billy Billy and Sydney um, like after they have sex yeah because he doesn't drink like he's trying to quit drinking um but he drinks at the party and like she gets all disappointed with him and then he starts like being really weird like saying like really creepy kind of weird things and it like freaks her out especially since like the power's out she can't find her friend. Um, and then she does find one of her dead friends. So she's like 100% convinces him because like they're pretty much the only people left there. 
and then it ends pretty much she like knees him in the nuts she's running away from him and then she gets attacked by the cherub killer and as she's running downstairs to try to get away um the cherub killer is about to kill her um or so it seems when they are shot and they are shot by adam slash jeremy and they take the mask off to reveal that it's dorothy and it actually kind of plays because Dorothy, you'll remember, is the friend that was, like, fat-shamed. They called Buffalo. So she definitely kind of had, like, a chip on her shoulder. So like, They make her extra mean. Yeah, they do I make her extra mean. Um, you know, like, especially in this last scene. Because she feels like she was abandoned by Campbell. Yeah. So she's, like, super, like... Like judgy to yeah, all the girls yeah, at like the really party. Yeah, really short with them. And like, it's kinda, my party. I can cry if I want to. And she does like she does say some like kind of fucked up things. So like kind of stuff that makes you think like okay she's holding a grudge. So it's very easy for Kate to believe like oh it was her like you know like it was it, Dorothy it all was along. Dorothy all along. Um, and then we like as B mentioned earlier we get this moment where Jeremy holds Jeremy slash Adam holds Kate and like tells her it's gonna be okay. And his nose bleeds yeah. onto her face. So we know he's the killer. I, also, she doesn't notice that some dude's bleeding on her face. Yeah. I definitely think when I first watched this, when I was young enough and hadn't seen enough, um, I was, like, really surprised. When his nose bled, I was like, oh, my God. Wait, it's him? I um, think... I No, I do think, like, if you're going into it blind, it's not... I mean, now it might be super transparent because, like, Boreanaz is a big name and you go, like, well, he's the main draw and he's the only guy main draw. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I think it was, like, it could have been easier to be, like... When you see that played out less, the whole, like, switch and put the body and you actually kill them, that's done a ton. It's so much now. So much. Like, it would have been probably... Definitely, like, going back, actually, it probably would have been very shocking to be, like... You probably think it's him, and then they're like, oh, "It's Dorothy." You're yeah, like, for sure. You'd be like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah. Oh my god. Um, so I could see that. I, yeah, I think just like the conversation we were having earlier, it's like you have to try and go back and pretend, yeah. like what was this like in the time, and when you haven't seen that like body switch happen over and over. Um, I mean, I did definitely. This didn't invent that. It definitely been no, done, yeah. But um, but it was yeah. I mean, it was still like fresh. Yeah. Uh, for the era. Kate Davies is our final girl. I don't love her. She isn't particularly strong or bold or does anything like that. Really makes her like a standout final girl. It's, it's she. She's kind of just the last. It reminds me a little bit of Blood Night, where it just like, like she oh, happens to be one. the last one. Um, and the only reason is because she's dating Jeremy. Yeah, and he's in love with her. Yeah, and so that's why. So all like kind of the creepy things he's saying to her, it it's all playing into the idea that he's like, no, like she's worth it, and like he's gonna get rid of all of these people that sort of are getting in the way that like tarnish, um, like his memory, and he's gonna get rid of that past. Yeah, and he and thinks then, they bring her down yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, but. I don't love her. I, I definitely no. think, like, the killer is much more captivating than the final girl is. I even think Denise Richards is more, like, mm-hmm. interesting than the final yeah, girl Yeah, she's just... I think probably her most interesting role is Sugar and Spice, for sure. Yes, definitely. And she's the lead in that. Um, but, yeah, she's fine. There's She's likable, but there's not a lot where you're just, like... Okay, like I want to see her like go up against another killer because it's like you said, it's kind of just she's the last one left. There's yeah. no real situations where she's trying to solve the mystery more than anybody else. They're not really trying to solve it. They're more like 
fuck, why, what is this? This is creepy. This is happening to us. And then they let it happen. Yeah. Um, it's not really a final girl situation where it's like, oh my God, this is happening to me. And I'm like fighting through it. Yeah. And I think like, you know, our best final girls are the ones that like grow or like rise to the occasion or overcome mm-hmm. obstacle. And again, this isn't like, she doesn't do that. She just happens to be the last one there. Yeah. Um, what, what is your favorite kill? Um, I think... My favorite kill is the hot tub kill. It's just beautiful. Yeah. So I think the like most brutal gore slasher one is for sure the shower one. Yeah. With the serrated blades and it's like uncomfortable to watch and I love that about it. But the suspense paired with it, it's kind of a weird favorite kill because like you said, it's a little anticlimactic because he doesn't actually physically do something to her, which is what we're pretty against in the slasher verse. Right. It's like, no, you can't just like, yeah, you're dead. That's why guns don't work because you're not physically doing it. There's less brutality to it. But there's something about him taunting and teasing her and then just fucking throwing the drill in there and being like, peace out. And then I just, I'm a sucker for visuals and it's yeah. the most captive. It's beautiful. Uh, mine's definitely the bow and arrow kill. Yeah. I just, well, plays yeah. with the theme. It's yeah, great. I love the theme. I think it's like, very, I love the quick cuts of like the pulling the bowstring back and back mm-hmm. to her. And I love spinning down the stairwell. Spinning down the stairwell, yeah. like all of it. Yeah, I think it's, it's and just being able to say like Cupid actually killed someone with a bow and arrow, it's great. Um, position in the horror landscape, like we said, it was the, the kind of the last of that post-Scream era. Um, and I think with this Scream Factory release, we're definitely seeing people at least talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, too, part of that is Jamie Blanks um, because Scream also did the I Know What You Did Last Summer Blues very recently. So I, I think there is this small kind of, like, Jamie Blanks, like, people well, going back and going, like... He didn't do those. Or, or um... He, they just did an Urban, urban Legend. Legend. That's what yeah. I meant. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's I meant Urban Legend. Yeah. Because Scream Factory did Urban yeah. Legend. Um, and I think there is a small, like, trace amount of people going why where did jamie links go because mm-hmm. like these were solid slasher movies yeah and like fun slashers that, and i he think just genuinely add to the genre like when we're gonna talk about films that like yes i love these slasher films like these are valid entries these are yeah. entries that should be talked about yeah and i think valentine is like not as good as urban legend but like no, but i think not. it's good but i think it's good i was genuinely i was a little shocked when I finished watching it, I was like, I really liked it. It was, I thought it was very good. And I was expecting to be like, oh, okay, so it was cheesy and it's pretty silly, but it's fine. I think that's not, was not my reaction. I think if honestly they had got some better actors, it could have been like really good. Like, like Lurkman Legend good. Um, Because I think David Boreanaz carries this. Um, (sighs) Because Denise Richards is, she's not super bad, but she's not, like, great. She's fine. She's, oh, no. She's he fine. carries the entire movie. Yeah. If he wasn't the killer, it it, it would fall flat. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Cool. So this is our 32nd film. And uh, as you guys know, we do rank our movies at the end of every episode. And uh, so last week we did have the um, Blood Knight. Yeah, Blood Knight Legend of Mary Hatchet from 2009 is our 27. Um, We have 31 films on the list. So at the top, My Bloody Valentine of 81, Black Christmas 74, and then number three, Halloween's 2018. Then at the bottom, we have um, Cry Wolf, Girls Night Out, and April Fool's Day. 
Um, and they all, and then in the middle, it's starting to get to the point where it's like things could be shifted, things oh, could yeah, be yeah. up and down, and and that's what's going to happen as we keep adding to these. Um, it's going to get more muddled in the middle because it's going to be like, sure, on a different day we could argue something else, but um, I think for the most part, when you look, I think when I look at the list, I feel pretty proud. Like I can see the trends of why that's like higher. I can look at it and be like, oh yeah, okay, I see what that did. Yeah. And uh, Jamie Blank's um, only other slasher um, is in our top ten. It yeah. is actually number seven. Yeah. Um, Urban Legend is very high. I think it was the first movie we did. It is. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's stayed high up for thirty something movies. So yeah. very impressive, Jamie Blank's. Yes. Um, I okay. I'm looking at this. So B and I have discussed this too. I kind of start to look and go like my my main way now is I go is it better than that movie? Mm-hmm. Like that's how I kind of start to place it. Yeah. And I don't think it's better than my Bloody Valentine. But is it better than Stage Fright? Man, because um, I think I'm looking in the exact same area. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at too. Yeah. Because like I think. Because Stage Fright, I actually think, does a really good job with the whodunit, too. Um, oh, it does an excellent job. Yeah, and I think Stage Fright is just, like, a lot of fun. And similar to this, a theme killer, which is a lot of fun. And the play... The killer plays into the theme better in Stage Fright. Right, yeah. Uh, Valentine is a great overall playing into valentine's day as a theme right but our cherub killer besides the arrow doesn't play in as much as stage fright where like the freaking kabuki mask and well and he's straight up giving one-liners based giving, on theater yeah um lingo and all the kills yeah, are theater related yeah that's true um so i think that like steps it above in that department um I, oh boy, man, Hatchet and Bay of Blood are both really good too. But I, I think. But it, as a slasher? I think like it might be. this is a better be, slasher. I think so. I think it's better than Hatchet yeah. as a slasher. I think it's just like, I think we get more, I think we get just a lot, like we discussed, we get a lot of those kind of, I think just Jamie Blanks did such a good job of melding the 80s and mm-hmm. the 90s like yeah. you know this is a late or early 2000s movie so it's blending the two different genres of slasher really well like and i think like he follows a lot of the formula but he also kind of like breaks free of it when he needs to yeah so i was gonna say it's very it gets all the points it needs to get for following the blueprint um where you're like fuck yeah this is a great slasher and that's what we're playing into on this list but everything gets credit for it being um if it's inventive and i think this does do some inventive things where it's it's not like um my super psycho switch 16 where it doesn't add or try to do anything new right it just does it which is not bad um that's a valid movie and it's fun movie to watch but you don't less to analyze there. You're like, okay, yeah, that's what it is. It's a true blue slasher. Where this one, you're like, it's a true blue slasher, but there's this and this and this and this, which we've talked about this whole episode that kind of elevated above that. Where like they took it, they took that eighty slasher and said, how can we make an eighty slasher in a post scream world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without having to rip off scream. Right, and then even more like further updating it to subvert gender roles um and i do think like the kills are not as cool as hatchet but 
Well, they're less they're brutal. Less brutal. But and like, they're less... That's what carries Hatchet. Agreed. Yeah. Whereas and Victor this, Crowley carries Hatchet. Yeah. That movie you watch not because of your cast, not because of the mystery. There's no mystery. Yeah. You watch that movie because of Victor Crowley and how he kills. Um, where this one... You, yeah, you like, the kills are inventive and you like them, but you're not watching them. You're watching it for the whodunit. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So I would put this as our new number 10. Um, if you guys don't notice, we like 2000s slasher movies. I mean, I'm looking at the list and it's even like our top 20 is very full, of like 2000s. Um, but whatever, man. Like, I, we're giving the love where it needs to be given. Uh, those 80s. We're giving our love where it needs to be given. Those 80s have got enough yeah. time in the limelight. And I think to the credit of the 80s films is that a lot of them were just um, trying. They were like quick and fast, you know, like I was mentioning uh, Valentine, what it has going for it, it didn't have to be that it wasn't trying to fit into the, it was this mold um, and it didn't need to be made um, in, you know, 10 minutes in Canada and then put out because there was 500 other slasher movies coming out at the same time. Um, so it has that going for it. And then it also has the odds they have time. They have the time going for it to reflect on that. Yeah, they build off what the yeah, 80s did. So They wouldn't exist without the 80s, which is why My Bloody Valentine is still our number one film because we give that movie so much credit for yeah. building this universe. That's why Black Christmas, which is yeah. the proto-slasher, is our number two. Yeah. Like the Burning's number five. But like, yeah, we see so much of that in these 90s and 2000s films that yeah. it's hard to like... I, I still think like as a horror... This, I'm just saying this not even in regards to this podcast but like as a horror and a slasher fan i think it's still even as a slasher fan i i know this is silly but i get a lot of shit sometimes as a slasher fan for like putting the 2000s like slashers up as high as i do when i talk about them yeah because people are like oh that's nowhere near as good as this and i'm like it's like 80s or die and it's like no and and like the 80s are fun trust me like i feel i truly feel like the 80s are a lot of fun like i love cheesy stuff you know b and i love predator movies because they're like cheesy action and i love something give me a good chopping mall like i love that kind of stuff Uh, i fucking love new year's evil and i will watch that movie every year and that is like about as wonky and 80s as it gets. Yeah. But, you know, just how we started this podcast and, like, how we're looking at it. And, the, you know, this isn't, again, you know, like, we understand everyone looks at Slashers different. But yes. the roles we put forward to kind of, like, for our rankings, like, this fits our rankings. And we kind of look at this blueprint that was created by these early Slashers and, like, then how things build on them and how things innovate them and how things change them. And so... I feel super comfortable putting mm-hmm. Valentine at number 10. And yeah, we're always going to recognize that we have a slight bias to the films that we grew up with. And that's, yeah. I mean, Valentine came out when Ryan was, what, how old were you? Uh, 13. 13? Yeah. yeah. I was like 10. Yeah. Um, 9 or 10 and watched it around that time. Um, I definitely watched Valentine when I was like 14. Yeah, yeah I watched like, it on yeah. like pretty, probably right when it came out on, on TV. On DVD, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like, I mean, these are movies that shaped us as fans and we mm-hmm. try and always recognize that, but that's why we force ourselves to go like, okay, let's really analyze this and see like, does it fit? Um, we're all going to have our biases even trying to be analytical. Um, but um, I do love that in our top 10, three movies have Valentine in the title. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that'll, I mean, 
Hey. God, sooner or later we'll get to Halloween, and who knows what that's going to do that a top ten or scream. One uh, of these Andy, days, guys, or Nightmare oh, of God, God, we're just avoiding the ones we know we love. I mean, it's really hard. Nightmare, I'll say this right now, Scream is my favorite movie, but if, depending on the day you ask, I think Nightmare is the better slasher movie and the better horror movie. It fights for number one in my book. Yeah, I mean, Nightmare is... Uh, Nightmare is... It's something just else. Yeah. Out I mean, of this world incredible. Love you, Matt. Wes, miss you every day. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with Happy Death Day to You. So that will definitely be a spoiler intensive episode. Yes. If you um, don't want to get spoiled, make sure you go see the movie and go see it anyways. Go support those awesome people. Christopher Landon is mm-hmm. um, a wonderful human being. Jessica Roth is a rising star and deserves lots of credit. Um, and it's going to be good. It looks awesome. Um, I'm really excited about that one. Super excited. Yeah. And then I think we did have something planned out for after that, but I don't really remember what it might, it might be Hell Knight or it might be the, what's the other one you watched? Final Cut or uh, Killer Movie? Killer Movie. Yeah. Because Ryan really wants to watch Killer Movie. I do really want to watch it. I almost, B texted me the night she was watching it and she, I almost started it, but I worked the next day and it was like 1130. I was like, dude, I can't watch this right now. It's like $3 on Amazon, I think to buy. I think I own it now. Which is super worth it, by the way. Yeah. To have that movie. Um, But yeah, we'll be back in two weeks for Happy Death Day to you. So um, go watch the original and then go watch the sequel and we'll be back to talk about it. And until then, keep screaming.